in ministry, to be able to, you know, go on. So ministry is about people. That's what ministry is all about. It's about people. It's not about, you know, myself. When I am called to be a minister, you know, it is expected that I am dead to myself. I'm dead to my opinions. I'm dead to my, you know, cultural affiliations. I'm dead to my, you know, uh, you know, upbringing. You are called, you know, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life that I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So when it comes to ministry, it cuts across every cultural dimensions. It cuts across everything that could hinder somebody to be able to reach another person for Jesus Christ. Our personality is not important when it comes to ministry. Ministry is about people. A great example that I just, you know, emphasize is that woman at the well. Jesus saw her and said, woman, give me water to drink. And she came out with the argument, long-standing facts and arguments that has been generally believed that has, you know, culturally separated people from the purposes of God. And he said, how can you, being a Jew, ask me a Samaritan, you know, for water? Because the Jews and the Samaritan, they don't mix. They don't have nothing to do with each other. They don't see eyeball to eyeball. Our culture is different. Our perception is different. The way we do things. And in fact, you guys said that we should worship in Jerusalem. But you know, and, and, and this, so there's a lot of religious arguments. There's a lot of cultural barriers. There's a lot of social barriers. There's a lot of you know, ethnic barriers when it comes to ministry. A true minister that is going to be effective you know, for God must overcome cultural, religious, ethnic, racial barriers to fulfill the will of God because ministry is always about people. We cannot segregate. We cannot, you know, you cannot make up your mind how oh, this, this guy is not going to be good. No, this one is not going to be all right. No, I've, you know, no, this not, it's not in our perspective. It's not in our disposition to, you know, try to, you know, choose. We must, you know, welcome everybody. We must receive everybody. We must treat everybody equally. We must treat everybody respectfully. We must accept them and welcome them. Even with their deficiencies, even with their faults, even with their shortcomings. Because, you know, it is not us that changes people. It is the Holy Spirit. We must receive them. And so this woman said, you know, we, we can mix up with you. You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And, but Jesus saw in this woman a great evangelist who could turn, who later turned the entire city. Such a powerful evangelist. But the religious folks, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, would not see that because they would see barriers. They would see her from the cultural, they would see her from, you know, ethical perspective, 
no, this woman is, uh, no, 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 no. She's, uh, we, we know her. She's got many husbands. She's not even stable in marriage. She, she has all these baggages, you know. You know, she's, she's, she's a husband stealer. You know, she, she's done all kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Forget about, you know, that's, that's not the kind of folks that we're looking for. No. But Jesus saw in this woman a great evangelist. And the Bible says Jesus moved and spoke to her. And, you know, and she argued and said, Jesus said, if you know who is talking to you, you would have asked me, I will give you, you know, a living water. And the woman said, you don't even have stuff to draw the water from, so are you going to give me water? And Jesus shifted the conversation about the husband. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, already you well said, you're already living with the fifth one. And that revelation impacted that woman and transformed that woman. And the Bible says she left there and she went. That was the woman that won the city of Samaria. He went and told everybody, you know, what, you know, Jesus has done for her. <clears throat> if we look at that scripture, if we look at that perspective, <clears throat> if we don't <clears throat> embrace ministry, as in the pattern of Jesus Christ, we will miss great moves of God. There will be great things that God would have accomplished through us and we will not be able to accomplish it because we see it from our perspective. We see it differently. You are called, you've been called and prayed for and separated to serve God. And when it comes to the service of God, you need to you know, empty yourself. You know, empty your thoughts is no longer your life. You know, you have to be dead. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So I, I, I'm a dead person. I don't have my opinion. My opinion does not count. My perspective does not count. The way I see things doesn't matter anymore. To me, it doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't count. What matters to me, it was the word of God says. So like every, every company, there's an end product. Your product and your raw material and your end product is people. You have to get people. If you are not bringing people to Christ, you have failed already in your calling. If your lifestyle does not bring people to Christ, you have failed already. In your relationship, I said ministry is about people and relationship. You know, you build, every relationship you build should have the ultimate goal of, you know, getting somebody to Christ. I don't want to relate with folks I cannot bring to Jesus Christ. I cannot, I don't want to relate with folks that, you know, you know, my wife knows me. I used to have a lot of friends when I came into South Africa, but I don't have them anymore because they couldn't you know, come over to my camp. I wouldn't, you know, it is a standing order in my house. No matter if uh, uh, Ramaphosa, the president, comes into my house and sleep, he's going to come to church in the morning. No matter who, no matter, you can't sleep in my house and not come to church. I can't leave you in my house and, you know, no matter who you are, it's a standing order. Because that's who I am, that's what I represent. If you sleep over 
you cannot come to church. You cannot relate with me, I'm not pulling you to the church. So our relationships, our affiliations, everybody that is in our sphere is our potential you know, target for ministry. That's our first, that's our Jerusalem. We must take our Jerusalem for Jesus Christ. We must, our Jerusalem, our immediate relationships, friends, affiliations, workers, co-workers, colleagues, you know, we must pull them at all costs. Pull them at all costs, persuade them at all costs to make sure that they are for Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing better you can give than to lead somebody to Christ. There's no, nothing better. I will go any length, you know, I, Brother Fernandez, I will send my car. If somebody is going to come to church from Nigel, I will wake me up, send the car, go to Nigel and bring that person to church. Because there's no need for me having a car and then, and then I'm driving around by myself and somebody wants to go to church and he couldn't go to church, he didn't have transport money. I will give. I will make sure that that person comes to church. Because I think that's the, that's the only reason that I have. You know, when folks come to here and say this on Wednesday, if they don't have transport, we drive them straight. And we don't mind going to pick them and make sure they come to church. Because everything that we have is for ministry. Whatever it is God has given for us is for ministry. And ministry is about people. And that's effective ministry. So for us to be able to build this church, you know, we have to develop a mindset of receiving everybody and then welcoming everybody and getting everybody doing everything within our strength within our power within our capability go out of our way to make sure that person is established because we do not know we do not know the potential of what that person can become for jesus christ uh, a story talks about uh, i won't quite remember whether it was billy graham uh, one of the times in his, you know, crusades in India or so, whether Billy Graham or, or Enes Angeli, one of those two great, you know, evangelists. He went to, he set up a meeting and, and he had a publication and a, he organized a big meeting in India and went expecting thousands of people. And only to God that there was only one child. People did not appreciate, they didn't come out. And he preached to that one child as if he preached to a thousand people. And to him, meeting was a failure. The people didn't come. He was not as he was expected. But he saw the child, he just preached to the child and prayed with the child, lead that child to Christ. And then he flew back, spent all that money on for all the publication, for everything, and then just came back for just one person. To him, that ministry was a complete failure. It was not several years after that that one child became the greatest evangelist that overturned the entire nation. He couldn't have known. Had he got down there and said, well, you know, it didn't work out my own way. I didn't see the people disappointed me. So, you know, our calling, when we come in here, when folks come in here in the morning, you know, we must give our best. I preach, you know, like I'm preaching to the, I know how to preach to a thousand people. I don't mind the crowd. I can preach to one person. I used to preach to my wife and my daughter was just about maybe four years old, three years old. We preached, you know, I preached for them. 
you know, preach, and if you hear me from outside, you believe that the house is full. It was just my wife and my daughter that I was preaching for. Because it's not about, you know, it's not about anything. It's about people. And we cannot measure. You can imagine how that, you know, scum of the society, the women who, whom the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the scribes and all of the religious folks that would never have related to became the evangelists that turned Samaria upside down. Just because Jesus, you know, crossed cultural barriers, crossed ethnic barriers, crossed, you know, religious barriers, we have to. We are persuasive. Ministry, if your life if your relationship, if you're not pulling your relationship, if you're not pulling your friends, you know, you know I, I don't know how to keep friends who won't come to me to church for long. They just don't exist. I know if I'm not pulling you and then you're not coming, you know, to Jesus Christ, you know, my relationship with you is just going to die. Because, you know what, that's what I stand for. I want to see you because what will it be? You know, how will it be that we get, you know, after we've been born again, saved, sanctified, and make heaven and see our family in hell and see our friends, the guys that we used to hang out together, they're all going to hell. And there is no repentance in the grave. We do not even know when we're going to die. We do not even know whether today is the last time that we are breathing this oxygen. We don't know. There is no time. We must live as if it is the last day. So in the scripture that I read, in Matthew chapter 22, for those of you who came very late, I forgive you today, I'm not going to forgive you next Sunday. That doesn't mean I'm going to hold grudge over you, but you know, I will say things that will make you not to be able to sleep so you can repent. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1 down to 10. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by the parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which had made a marriage for his son. And he sent for the servants to, you know, to them that were bidden, to the people, to the invitees, to those who were prepared, those who were invited for the wedding. And they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, in verse 4, my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways. And one, of, one to his farm, another person to his merchandise. We cannot, you know, put our personal agenda above God's purposes for us. This is exactly what these folks did. The people were invited for the marriage of the son of God. They, they went to their farm, they went to their business. Others, in, the, in verse 5, they make light of it. They didn't take him serious and went their ways. And they, those who did not come, they even you know, killed those, the messenger that was sent. In verse 7, but the king heard thereof and was wrought. But my, my take is in verse 9, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you will find, bid them to come. The people that were expected were not there. The people that were prepared for were not there. Then the commission was issued. Go to the highways. Bring everybody. The lame, the blind, everybody. 
just beat everybody because the, 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 the marriage is, you know, ready. Every stuff is ready. But those who were expected did not come. Go all out. As ministers, we need to go all out, out to the highways, across cultural lines, across ethnic divisions, across racial divisions, and go all out and persuade people. Do not let any day pass without you trying to get somebody to Jesus Christ. Don't let any day pass. Every person that comes into the, the sphere of your influence must be pulled for Jesus Christ. Must be drawn. That's effective ministry. That's what we are rewarded for. We are not rewarded for great teaching and preaching. We are rewarded for soul winning. The Bible says, he that winneth a soul is wise. Go all out. Because sometimes the people we expect, the people that we think they love God, they're not going to come. The people that we think that they are potential members of the church, they're not going to be willing to come. So we must go all out. All out to the highways. Bring everybody. Do not discriminate. Do not think about who is who. Just go all out. Persuade everybody to come. Make sure everybody's coming. Invite openly. Persuade. Make sure everybody comes. Because we do not know who is going to be the best for Jesus Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. Ministry is about people. Ministry is about relationship. Hallelujah. Amen. Ministry is about people. The church is about people. You know, um, some of you know me. If, you know, I used to tell folks, I say, you know what? If you even drink your beer, you can come with a bottle to the church. I'll be fine because I know how to pray for you that you're drinking. Then you get polished and then brush your mouth and eat some sweet and come and look holy in the church. <laughs> and we don't know what's your problem. We don't know. Because the church is not for the good folks. The church is a place of reformation. You, we cannot, you know, I have seen, there were folks that, you know, used to come to the church, you know, and they come to the church, you know, while I'm preaching, you know, they go out there and they, and they smoke, <laughs> out there hanging there, they smoke, and then they clean up and they come in. And some people say, Pastor, he's going to go and smoke. I said, leave him. He said, I can't, I can't change people. I trust the Holy Spirit. And I prayed. And those folks stop smoking. They stop smoking. I did not put them back. I did not threaten them. You're going to die of cancer. You're going to go to hell. I trust the Holy Spirit. And I speak the truth in love. And the Holy Spirit come upon them. They change. And they come and they give testimony. I get excited because then it is not me. I see God at work. What if I have rejected them because they, they were smoking and said, no, don't come to, if you want to come to church, don't, you know, don't smoke. If you come into church, make sure you don't smoke until you leave the church. And he knows that he cannot stop smoking for an, about an hour or two, so he's not going to come to the church. So I'm going to lose that person. I remember a classmate of mine, we did high school together. And when I became a pastor, happens to be in the church, 
and we were best friends in high school and we do a lot of stuff together and you know he married uh, another you know classmate of ours in high school and they're all in the church so we age group you know the same we were born and my birthday is like today his birthday is tomorrow or you know just a day apart and we, so we share a lot of things in common so when I became a pastor he was still drinking and he's you know he he's made quite a lot of money and uh, every Sunday afternoon we have lunch in his house he would say he would come to church and then he enjoyed the church you know we have been friends and now a pastor he's uh, you know working with the government he's made a lot of money and we come to the house you know every Sunday we you know we I have to have lunch in the house and then hang out together and stuff like that he was just a pastor you know this one <laughs> you know as a friend this one you know you can't stop this one I said no it's fine God will stop it. You will stop it one day. Say, ah, please, let's not go there. Let's just relate. So he was, a, he, was, he was a member of the church, my best friend. He was still drinking, drinks in front of me. And I said, I skipped and he said, one day you're going to stop. He said, I'll wait for that day. But, you know, so we don't enter into argument. But when he, if I say, Pastor, please excuse me, you know what, I have to do this. I said, no, fine, you will stop it. <laughs> he said, keep on laughing. And... He bought a property, let's say, you know, Johannesburg, Cape Town. He bought a property in Cape Town. And he was, he, he, he fell in love with God. He loved God, but he has that, you know, that with him, that baggage with him. He loved God. And so, like, let's say he bought a property in Cape Town and we in Johannesburg. And he was renovating that, renovating that property, you know. But, you know, wherever he goes, whatever he does, by Sunday morning, he has to be in church. He loved God and he's going to be in church. You know, and he was supporting the work of God. But in my heart, I was praying for him. Because I know he loves God. I know who he is zealous for the things of God. You know, he will not miss. He can miss the midweek service because of his uh, duty and other engagement. But Sunday, no matter what, if he's anywhere in South Africa, let's say South Africa, he would take the flight and be there. I'm sure he's going to be there on Sunday morning. He might come in 10, he might come 30 minutes late, but he's going to be in church. He will not miss a Sunday morning service. And so he, <clears throat> he went to see the renovation of this property over the weekend. I was sure that he's going to be in church on Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, he was in church and then we finished. It is, it's been a routine. After church, we go out for lunch together. So we go to his house. And when I got to his house, you know, all the cartons he used to drink stout, all the cartons of the stout were packed out by the corner. And I thought they were all empty. And they were full of, you know, the drinks were inside. And I said, what's, what's going on there? He said, let's get inside. He said, he said to me, from today, I'm not drinking again. And I said, what happened? He said, you know what? I went, I went to see the property. I was in the site. I finished everything, went, and then I went to my hotel, and then I ordered for a dinner. And then I, you know, I have my dinner. It was a nice food, and I have my dinner. And then after that, I ordered just for two bottles of beer. You know, stout beer, my normal, you know, you know, I take that every time I finish eating. 
He said, when I drank those two bottles, after I finished, I vomited as if I was going to die. And I said to myself, how can I use my money to kill myself? So I am not taking anything again. So these ones, I've called them to come and, and, and take it away. I didn't know what to say. I <laughs> just said, are you sure? He said, did you have any? He said, I was healthy and sound till I drank that. I was healthy and sound till I drank that. I was not sick of anything until I took that. And I vomited, you know, I nearly died in the hotel. I, you know, and I was helpless because my wife was not there. Nobody was there. I was just helpless in the hotel room. And I said to myself, how can I use my money to destroy my life? So I'm not drinking again. I said, okay, let's see. From that day till today, he never drank. Again. The Holy Spirit worked it out. I remember my, my, my mission in, in, in the Middle East, in Dubai. You know, I lived in Dubai for over six years. And I was coming from Malaysia when I stopped in Dubai. And I was, there was no intention to be there for a long period of time like that because it would be costly to have an apartment in such a lucrative city for so long. So my mission organization, you know, gave me, you know, just three months to come and supervise the, the pastors that were under my covering, uh, the covering of organization. I was a, a presiding bishop over the Gulf States to see there. So I stay there and I go through all the entire Gulf States to see the pastors. Now, I ministered in a church, you know, the Indian church, and I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, I didn't know the folks there, one of the elders was smoking. And I said, you're smoking? And then, you know, you meet me, I wanna pray with you. And he was sincere enough to come. I said, you're in the leadership, but you're smoking. Meet me after the service. And he, he came. And I remember that, you know, I prayed with him and I said, you will not be able to smoke again. It was not a long prayer. You know, it was just a very short prayer. I laid my hands upon him. I prayed over him and said, you will not be able to smoke again. And I was visiting. I was in Abu Dhabi, you know, 300 miles away from, from Dubai. I was just visiting that fellowship, you know, and the next day I was just going to be there for, you know, for the for the weekend, and then I will go back to, 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 to Dubai. That was in Abu Dhabi. And I was still looking at the place where I'm gonna stay for that long period of time. Still assessing the cost for you know, a three to six months uh, stay in that city. How much is gonna cost my mission organization. Now, by the time I finished praying, the following day, I went to stay with the pastor of the fellowship in his house. He gave me a room there to stay, spend so that I can minister the next few days for them. And then I will go back to my hotel in Dubai. Now, for that period of time, the next day, the pastor left for work. I was left with a wife and two kids. And then this elder came exactly during the break time and said he wanted to see me. He has called the pastor and told the pastor he wants to see me. And uh, he said, you know, Pastor, I tried to smoke in the morning. I vomit, vomit. He's an Indian person. You know, I try to smoke when I get into the toilet. Normally, I smoke every time in the morning. I try to smoke, vomit, vomit, one die, vomit, vomit, one die. I try to smoke, couldn't smoke. 
And from that day, he never snuck again. Because of that miracle, I stayed with that family for six years in the apartment. I never left that country for six years. Now, what I'm telling you is that if you open your heart and receive everybody and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work, as a minister of the gospel, you will see the power of God. That's when you will experience the power of God. Ministry is about people. Let's be receptive. Let's open up our heart. Let's overcome racial, national, denominational, religious, whatever barrier, ethnic barriers, and let's move on and open our heart and embrace and trust God and allow the Holy Spirit to work. This church needs to be filled with people. And it's going to come through you and me, you know, just opening up and receiving people and trusting God. Everybody will have, they will have weaknesses, we know. They will have things that we can recognize and see these are not good. But it is not our job. It is for us to hand them over to the Holy Spirit. If it bothers me enough, I get on my knees. As the Lord touches us, brother, and transform him. Because I cannot. You know, transform. I can't change anybody. I didn't, couldn't change myself. Neither can I change anybody. If he changed me, he will be able to change any other person. So, brothers and sisters, it is our, God has given us a mandate. This is your season. This is your task. I want you to see yourself. It's a privilege to be able to come into the house of the Lord, to be able to serve, to be called out among all the people. To be able to say, see it, take it on. Make it your passion, make it your life, go for it. And people used to ask me, how did you get to it? No, I didn't get to it anywhere by myself. I just embraced the opportunity that he gave to me. And I just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, an extremist. Anything that I do, I do it to the extreme. And so when I embrace Christ, I just go all out. That's who I am. I just go all out. And if there's anything to be there, if the power of God is there, if there's anointing there, if there's blessings there, if what the Bible says is real, I want to see it happen in my time. I want to see it happen through me. I take personal responsibility. Take personal responsibility. You know, you know it's not about, I don't look up to any person. No, this one is not doing it. He's supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do this. No, it's not about anybody. It's about you taking your position in Christ Jesus. It is our responsibility. It is your time. It is your time. It is a divine opportunity for you to be used of God. It is a great privilege for you to be used of God. Walk away from everything that can stop you and everything that can hinder you and pay the price for the high calling of God. May God bless you. Uh, I, I didn't hear that, man. You didn't like it. I said, may God bless you. Amen.